Hello and welcome to another episode of Daily American Presses Chatting with Abby. I am coming to you from my car on my commute. I'm about to cross some state lines, you guys, like I do every day of my life because I work in Virginia and I live in West Virginia. I am recording from my car because my husband's going to be home tonight and I haven't really seen him very much in the last couple months. His fire department is very understaffed and so he's been working overtime to fill in some of those blanks and he's just my priority. I'm not willing to take time out of time away from him to record better audio. So sorry not sorry. I suppose um this week has been an incredible news cycle. Lots and lots of interesting cases being litigated. Um it's just been one after the other of, of interesting trials. We had Kyle Rittenhouse, and then we had the Ahmed Arbery uh, murderers who were convicted. I didn't keep up with that one or watch that one, but it seemed like justice was done in that situation. And then we've got the Gislaine Maxwell trial, which is not being televised, but you can get audio from it. You can there's a way to hear the audio from it and you can also get updates through news sources but it's already super interesting some of the things that are coming out of that trial I don't feel equipped to dive into that on this podcast but I do encourage you to poke into it and not forget that it's happening because that's that's massive Um, the amount of the amount of corruption in politicians and, and people of power that is likely to be exposed during that process. It's just incredible. So keep your eyes on that because the media is certainly not going to help you out with that. Other trials going down are the Jesse Smollett trial, which to me that's just such a ridiculous situation and such old news that I don't really care. I, I, I am interested in the verdict in the case, but I'm not particularly interested in following it closely. There's too much else going on. And I think it, with the speed of communication and the speed of the news cycle in the world we live in, it's way too easy to get distracted by every little news story and forget to focus on the most important ones. We forget to make value judgments on what things deserve our attention because everything is just bombarding us. And I've decided that the Maxwell trial deserves my attention and the Supreme Court trial that's going on right now deserves my attention. Uh, and the Jesse Smollett trial, not so much. So I'm going to leave that one alone. We also have the Taser Cop trial coming up or happening. It's in, it's in some stage of the process. Uh, if you'll recall back in 2020, there was a, a female cop who allegedly, according to her, allegedly she was reaching for her taser, accidentally pulled her gun instead, Uh, And as soon as she had fired the shot, uh, was shocked and dismayed that she had fired the shot. I can't remember if she killed the man she shot or not. Um, That one has really faded out of the news cycle. And I'm, I'm curious to see if that will be a trial worth following or not. At the very least, even according to her own story, that sort of thing is gross negligence. I mean, you have to, as a cop, be able to tell your taser and your gun apart or else you shouldn't be a cop. So that's kind of my very uneducated two cents on that one. 
And then we have Chris Cuomo being suspended uh, indefinitely from CNN, which is exactly as shocking to me as Andrew Cuomo resigning as governor of New York, which is to say very shocking. I, I believed that they both deserve to lose their jobs. I just didn't think that they would. I think that we may be at a point in in society and history where it's easy to not believe anything good will happen. And when it does happen, to be really skeptical of it, which I think is fair. A lot of the good things that have happened, we have then had reason to question later on. But I do think things have been happening that give conservatives in America cause for hope that that we we might be moving this in the right direction and I just as the Bible says do not become weary in doing good um, I'm, I'm worried that we won't let ourselves be hopeful um, when good things happen and that we'll become weary in doing the good work that we're doing and quit before we're done before we really are able to see change. Any good endeavor, any important endeavor is hard work. And sometimes you don't see the results for a long time. Like with working out, sometimes you just don't see the results for a long time. And that doesn't mean you're not doing any good. And a lot of people quit far too soon because they don't see what they want to see within the time span they want to see it. So I think we are moving this country in a good direction and it's just a slower process than anyone wants to wants it to be and we have an incredibly quick news cycle but you still can't change an entire nation uh, at the same speed as your news cycle so I just encourage you to grab onto hope where you see it and to let yourself be hopeful about things the Cuomo brothers going down is is really cool. It's just cool that we we had a win, um, and that almost that we didn't really have to fight for it. They they almost self eliminated, or the left eliminated them. <laughs> I think it's interesting how willing the left is to to scapegoat uh, their own, even after just praising them to the skies only months before but what I really want to talk about today is kind of what everyone's talking about is Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health so Texas a couple months ago we were all talking about the Texas abortion bill that is basically a heartbeat bill outlawing abortion very very early on uh, some say so early that you don't necessarily even know you're pregnant by the time it's it's outlawed. So it's effect- effectively completely outlawed, um, with very few exceptions. But prior to Texas, Mississippi passed a law that said you cannot have an abortion past 15 weeks of pregnancy. Um... And that one went kind of under the radar until this case came came up, partially because I think the majority of Mississippi does not want abortion. 
there is only one abortion provider in the state of Mississippi, and that's Jackson Women's Health. One abortion provider in the entire state of Mississippi, and they're the ones suing about this abortion ban. Uh, And why are they doing that? Because abortion is an industry, and it wants to make as much money as possible by killing as many babies as possible. They, their livelihoods are on the line, so they're suing the state of Mississippi over it. Now, a little background. We all talk about Roe versus Wade, which is what started everything. Roe versus Wade was determined 48 years ago. And we've made very little progress on abortion since. Except in the hearts and minds of people. Legally, we've made very little progress. The case, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, um, which was litigated in the 80s, changed, changed the, the ruling to the effect that viability was the line. Um, the saying, a state couldn't ban abortion before viability. Now, it's important to remember that the Supreme Court is not supposed to be legislating anything. All legislation is supposed to be made by elected officials. Elected officials. A lot of legislation is supposed to be at a state level and some can be at a federal level. But none is supposed to be by the judiciary. And so the... I can't say the biggest problem with Roe is... is the fact that the judiciary legislated because the biggest issue with Roe is that it allows the mass murder of babies. But the second biggest issue with Roe is that it was a vast overreach on the part of the judiciary. And theoretically, you do not have to be pro-life to think that Roe v. Wade was a horrible decision. That that it should be overturned, not on the basis necessarily of the pro-life versus pro-choice argument, but on the basis of just good jurisprudence. And, and people who were honest can see that. So Roe v. Wade is a precedent uh, that's 50 years old. And a lot of people have suggested that that's a super precedent, that it can't it can't be touched, shouldn't be touched. It's so established. But the court also has a long and glorious history of getting things incredibly, horrendously wrong. Um, especially with regard to segregation. So we have a precedent of overturning horrible precedents just because they're so bad. On both a moral and legal level, the court has, from very near the beginning, from Marbury versus Madison, been overstepping its intended purpose and in reaching beyond its allocated power. There's not enough check or balance on the court, and I think one thing that is worth noting about the court is the judges serve until they either retire or die, and people are living a lot longer now than they were when the Founding Fathers began this nation. 
people weren't I don't think our founding fathers had the foresight to realize um, what some of the consequences of how they set up the judiciary. I think that if they made any mistake at all, it was a way that the judiciary was set up without, without sufficient checks. But that's just, that's just my opinion on that. I'm not a constitutional lawyer or an expert on it. But, so this case... Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health is the closest we've come in my lifetime to overturning Roe v. Wade, which is something that the right has at least allegedly been dreaming about since Roe v. Wade was determined. Growing up, every conservative politician ran on a platform of anti-abortion, every single one of them. It's only been in the last few years that I've seen conservatives get more and more wishy-washy about it. And it is incredibly wild and concerning to me how conservatives have been taken in and have fallen for the pro-abortion rhetoric to the extent that Glenn Youngkin, the uh, governor-elect of Virginia wouldn't take a firm stand against abortion a lot of I mean Trump didn't take a stand against abortion I it's getting to the point where most mainstream Republicans won't stand against abortion or at least not publicly on their platforms but for a long time abortion was the big issue. Abortion and homosexuality were the big issues that all Republicans ran on. They didn't actually do anything in these categories. They just used those categories to get votes. And a lot of conservatives were single issue voters. Um, They, no matter what they disagreed with or agreed with across the board, they would vote for the candidate who was against abortion. That was the only thing they cared about when I was growing up. And yet nothing was really done. And I think that we got into this cycle of rule following where we were like, well, the Supreme Court said no, so we have to overturn Roe before we can pass laws, the laws we want to concerning abortion. And it seems like it took people a while to realize, actually, we should just pass the law and that will create the suit that can then get up to the Supreme Court. I don't really understand the thought process, but it seems like it took us an awfully long time to finally start actually challenging this thing that we have been saying for 50 years that we wanted overturned. So I am, I'm hopeful, but at the same time, I don't really trust the court. I don't. I don't know if this court has the courage to do the right thing. But if they don't, I say we keep fighting. I say we keep voting in politicians who will pass legislation 
regardless of what the Supreme Court says, who will introduce legislation and vote on legislation and then let it be sued and let it be taken up to the court and continue challenging it um, and keeping it in the public eye because Roe v. Wade and abortion in general are indefensible, both on a moral and um, judiciary standpoint. Like, it's just, it's bad law and it's morally morally indefensible. Now, the rhetoric. Pro-life rhetoric is really simple. (laughs) Pro-life rhetoric is life begins at conception. It's a human being. It's separate from the mom. You you can't just kill a human being because it's inconvenient for you. It's a really simple argument. The left's argument we used to be arguing when life began. The left used to argue, well, it's not really, it's not alive. It's not a human. It's just a club of cells. Um, and we were arguing when, when life began. And that, that was part of the legacy of Planned Parenthood versus Casey, because that case said, you know, when the baby is viable, that's when states can start banning abortion on it. And so the debate was, you know, what, what does viable mean? Um, what, when can we say that this, this baby is, is actually, you know, real and has a right to a shot at life? But, but now, that's not the argument anymore. The argument isn't whether or not life begins at conception because the left doesn't care. Pro-abortion activists don't care when life begins. Um, the arguments have completely changed away from that. Now, the argument I hear the most often is you can't force a mother to have a baby. You can't force somebody to be hooked up to somebody else via life support against their will. And it's like, well, it's not against their will. They, they had sex. Sex is consent to pregnancy. There's a lot of benefits to sex outside of having kids, and not everyone who has sex wants to have kids, but that doesn't change the fact that sex is the mechanism for creating kids. That's, that's its most basic primary function, is to continue the human race. And when animals have sex, it's always to have children. Animals don't just have sex for fun. Most species don't. I think a couple do. But for the most part, animals have sex out of a instinct to continue their species. Humans have this idea that we have the right to sexual pleasure without consequence. And that's what this really boils down to, is abortion advocates aren't scared of having, aren't just scared of having children. If they were, if this was just about, you know, not wanting to get pregnant before they're ready, then they just abstain. What this really is about is wanting to have their pleasure without any of the natural consequences. The natural result of putting human semen into a human vagina is uh, that a baby could be produced because that's literally what the sperm wants to do. The sperm wants to find the egg. That's its entire purpose is to go find the egg. So there's a lot of birth control out there. 
no one really has an excuse for having unprotected sex if, if that's what I mean there's lots of options open to people who refuse to abstain there's lots of options however we live in a world where people don't want to take any responsibility for their lives for their choices and they don't want the consequences of their actions and we see that in rhetoric about the prison system we see that in rhetoric about um, the inability of a lot of people to make a quote-unquote living wage people don't want to take responsibility for their actions for their lives just across the board this is a theme and babies as in the days of Moloch are the sacrifice that a lot of people put on the altar of their own pleasure and we are as America we are literally a culture of child sacrifice literally (laughs) abortion kills so many people so many people have not lived because they've been killed in the womb. The sheer magnitude of the tragedy and the horror of that I don't think is going to be understood by us until until we get to heaven and we can kind of see it from, from that perspective. But I want to propose to you that abortion is the greatest evil in this country by far the greatest evil because when you think about it a man pretending to be a woman is still a lesser evil than slaughtering a helpless child even rape is a lesser evil than slaughtering a helpless child once you have given life you can't without it being murder even pregnancy that is not consensual which is a very small percentage of pregnancy but even pregnancy that is not consensual nothing justifies slaughtering a child the crime of the rapist does not justify slaughtering a child I think it was a mistake for conservatives to accept the term abortion instead of saying slaughtering a child every time, (laughs) killing a human being, because saying the word abortion really covers up what the truth of it is, which is the way that all leftist language works is to cover up the truth of, of what things are. But I think it's really interesting how the fringe cases, the, the rape, the incest, the, the uh, situations where the life of the mother is in danger, those fringe situations completely drive the conversation. Even conservatives struggle to not talk about those, to not let those things completely control the conversation. It's not that we can't talk about them. We have to because they are the difficult pieces of the puzzle. However, we have allowed them to completely control the conversation for so long that I have seen tons of conservatives completely fall for it. 
Uh, I was talking to somebody on Twitter the other day who said that as a conservative, he had to fight for the freedom of people to kill babies, even though he didn't like it. And it's like, no, no, you don't have to fight for the freedom of somebody else to kill another human being. That's not, at no point has that ever been acceptable. Freedom does not extend to harming another human being. We all know that. Now, I think the abortion conversation in light of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is interesting. And I'll tell you why. Kyle killed two human beings. And it was okay for him to do that because they were trying to kill him. Self-defense is the only only justification for killing another human being. Self-defense slash just war, right? Which is, which is self-defense. It's just more organized. So by the same vein, I would say that the only situation in which an abortion is permissible is when it is a genuine self-defense case. When the pregnancy has gone so horribly wrong medically that the, the mother is going to die. And along with her, the child as well. When you have two guaranteed deaths instead of... Yeah, when you have two guaranteed deaths, I think it's just to say, okay, well then you, you take the, the baby out. It's not going to survive anyway. It's only going to kill the mother. You take it out. Uh, and you and you are able to save one life. I think that's entirely permissible. I think there is a conversation to be had about when the mother's life is simply at risk and yet the baby could could survive. In that situation, I would take the risk and and try to bring my child to life. I think a lot of mothers would do that because we all have that instinct to protect our child at all costs. So, but those are the fringe situations. The vast majority of abortion is simply because the woman doesn't want the child. The woman doesn't want it or the man doesn't want it. For whatever reason, the child isn't wanted. And, and that's what is sufficient to sentence it to death. Uh, and so we just slaughter children because we don't think we can afford them or we're not willing to make a change in our life such that we can afford them. We're not willing to do this, that, and the other thing. It's, it's not as complicated as we pretend it is. Uh, most political issues are, are nuanced. And I would say that this one is about as cut and dried as it gets. There's a little bit of room at the edges of the conversation for some nuance when it comes to the life of the mother. And there's a whole thick conversation to be had about how we as a society can support mothers who are in a tough situation and are pregnant and, and trying to make that whole trying trying to pave a way for kids to be born safely and into 
into safe environments where they'll be taken care of. There's a, a lot to be done there. But when it comes to the, the actual issue of abortion, it is about as cut and dry as it could possibly get. You're either for murder or you're against murder. you either for the slaughtering of innocent children or you're against it. Um, there's not a lot of, there's really nothing, there's no gray area there. Um, there's not really good reasons to support abortion. And uh, I know that I have friends who do and I, I love you. I think you're very wrong on this, this particular subject. Um, when it comes down to it, we are fighting for the soul of our nation. And, and all conservatives right now, all serious conservatives, are, are pretty desperate to see us save our country. I hear a lot of rhetoric about you know, making America great again or getting our country back or just generally saving our country from collapse, from economic collapse, from, from moral collapse. And I have just one question. If you believe in God, you know that you need him on your side. That there's no way we save our nation if God's not on our side. And at the same time, I see a lot of conservatives permissive toward abortion who have bought into the pro-abortion rhetoric. That's, again, that's the single greatest evil in our nation. Child sacrifice. In the Bible, child sacrifice was the reason God chose to absolutely annihilate nations. Was because of child sacrifice. Throughout the Old Testament, nations were completely annihilated because they sacrificed their children to Moloch. So, if you want, if you won't fight on God's side against child slaughter, child sacrifice, then how do you, why would you even begin to think he would fight on your side on every other topic? I truly think that our nation is collapsing as a direct result of our abortion. I think that our nation is collapsing and God has removed his blessing from our nation because we are killing children. I think the only way forward as a nation, the only chance we have to survive, to win, to get back our nation is to first overturn Roe v. Wade and then to outlaw abortion everywhere. And this has been Chatting with Abby. I'll see you on Twitter. Goodbye.